The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to discuss the future of digital advertising. Joining us is Sarah Dale, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Nativo, which empowers brands and publishers with advanced content syndication and monetization technologies. Nativo's mission is to equip advertising for the age of content, improving the web experience and creating meaningful connections for digital consumers. And today, Sarah and I are going to discuss why Google announced plans to delay blocking third-party cookies. All right, on with the show. Here's my conversation with Sarah Dale, Chief Revenue Officer at Nativo. Sarah, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you. So good to be here. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to talk to you about what is a little bit of a surprising and kind of a controversial topic, Google's departure from using third-party cookies. Feels like Google was kind of the last remaining company for browser technology that was still reliant on third-party cookies. I know Apple has made the departure. Firefox doesn't really use them. And Google said they were going away from third-party cookies. And then out of the blue, marketers panicking everywhere, screaming, yelling, hysteria. Google says, yeah, we're going to wait a couple of years. Well, why did this happen? Probably somebody inside Google is going to have a much better answer to that question than I will. But I think that from the frenzy that it created after the announcement, I think some realization has to have happened of how big of an infrastructure change this was actually going to be. And that simply having something that's going to replace cookies and keep everything just the same is not likely to happen, even with the delay, but certainly wasn't happening as fast as it was going to need to. So I think there was a lot of relief when the time got changed, but it doesn't really sort of change the set of circumstances that marketers are in with the demise of the cookie. So before we talk about what it means for marketers, I actually want to talk about Google's position in the market a little bit. You know, we saw Firefox going away from the use of third-party cookies, being more sort of privacy-friendly. iOS and Apple have also had their changes and departures away from some of the data collection processes. It seemed like those made some headlines, but really Google moving away from the third-party cookie is the one that got marketers in an uproar. Why is Google so important in advertising as opposed to the Firefoxes or the uh, Apple and iOSs of the world? I think that the cookie has been so exalted 
that for the sake of following the cookie, and that's the way we're going to do things, right? We're going to target people via cookies and we're going to follow them and retarget them. We're going to ignore a whole 40% of the audience that can't be reached through cookies. And so to me, that's why they're panicking because, I mean, they really have exalted it to a place where it superseded its actual value. I think of the importance of Google when it comes to the third-party cookies is really because of the browser share. You mentioned, well, 40% of people that are using their browser aren't being tracked because they're using Safari or they're using Firefox. Great. That doesn't mean that 40% of the market can't be marketed to. What that means is that you can't collect data on them. And so practically, the experience is, well, I capture 60% of the data that is out there. It's a statistically significant amount. I'm going to understand who I'm targeting, what converts, and then I'm going to feed that into the Facebooks or the Googles or even Apple's platform and create some semblance of a lookalike audience. And the artificial intelligence and all the ad platforms will figure out how to match against the other 40%. But when Google pulls the 60% of the browser share away from being able to create cookies, well, now there's no sort of underlying third-party data that we can get access to, and, and that creates a real problem. So A, am I thinking about this the right way? And B, is there really this juxtaposition of third-party versus first-party data that I'm imagining? No, I think that is thinking about the right way. I think that we just have become so reliant on third parties that the infrastructure for first-party data hasn't been sufficiently built. So yes, all of those things are possible with with more first-party data, which you know, luckily, I think that people are going to have more time to build up the strategy when it comes to that. But I do think that fundamentally, while we're trying to figure out what's going to happen to the cookie or what's going to replace it or is it lookalikes or going to the flocks of all of it, ultimately, one piece of it that I think doesn't get talked about as much is sort of, at the end of the day, this is a privacy issue. And I think marketers have an opportunity to probably leapfrog a lot of the issues if they look at that value exchange what are they giving to consumers? I just heard Atfil Aziz talk about delightful and useful in terms of advertising and content. And if a marketer's job is to delight and provide that kind of value through their advertising, through their content, they're going to be able to provide more of that value in order to get the data that they're looking for. So a couple of things to unpack there. You mentioned that underlying in this change is that there are privacy concerns. And my thought is most marketers are saying, all right, well, the cookie technology is going away. So how do we replace cookie technology with something else that does the same thing as what a cookie does, the ability to understand who's in your target market without having first party access to them? Which really just brings up the question of like, I get the underlying privacy concern of people don't want to be marketed to unless they expressly consent to it. But it seems like the marketing community is saying, well, we'll just replace cookies with something else, clusters or some sort of other technologies. Is this actually fixing the privacy problem, getting rid of cookies, or is it just getting rid of the technology and reinventing the same thing with a different name? The root issue to me is the lack of value in the advertising and then the lack of privacy. 
So consumers have proven that they are absolutely willing to give over their data if there's a perceived value to doing so. And I think that marketers are really going to have to sort of go up another level in terms of looking at what is the root cause of the issue. And what people don't like is their data being taken and used in a way that feels creepy or they didn't ask for it. Influences presidential elections, however people use data these days. (laughs) Exactly. Using the power of cookies for evil instead of good. And I think that the really smart marketers are looking at this in a completely different way of not just waiting for cookies to be replaced by something that just gets around the loopholes that will inevitably exist. I think people who are really looking at their strategy and saying, okay, how do we create advertising and really content that is valuable enough that we have earned that data? And if they start looking at it from that point of view, I think that those are the marketers that are going to win in this scenario. So you mentioned the value exchange a couple of times. And to me, I think we, it's worth bifurcating advertising and content. I understand that you know if you're creating great content, there is value. And so people want to consume the content so they will give you their data. Right? That seems like a clear value exchange. When it comes to advertising, How do you think about that value exchange? I want to market to somebody who is interested in podcasts or somebody who's, you know, going to buy my cereal or or whatever it is, but I don't want to have to create content. I just want to advertise to them. I'm looking for direct response marketing. How do you think about the value exchange? And obviously that's going to be impacted by the decrease in third-party cookies. What's going to happen next? I think it's interesting that originally the value exchange, and even now we still talk about it this way, is that the piece that advertisers are getting from the consumer is their attention. We talk about the attention economy and all that. But really, I feel like we have, for the past maybe decade, asked for a lot more than their attention because we've also wanted the data. (laughs) That's what I mean in terms of the value exchange and sort of it got a little bit lopsided. So you know, in terms of advertising, if we are back into a system where you're advertising and what you actually are wanting from that is attention, and if you want the data, you're going to have to bring some more value. To me, that's everything old is new again. It's like that goes back to content. There's a lot more, obviously, that you can do with content than you can with straight up display advertising, which, you know, we are not even talking about like, the uh, ad blocking and everything else that goes on with display advertising that is already also being ignored. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. 
No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. So, Sarah, tell me a little bit about the timing here. Google announced that they are delaying the blocking of third-party cookies. So what's the stay of execution and what can marketers expect? I think marketers can expect a lot of work ahead. I think that they're probably hopefully undergoing that now. If they're hoping for like a replacement, so far as the technology that has been talked about in terms of Google's answer, Trade Desk, LiveRamp, like it's not going to be a one-to-one kind of exchange for cookies as we've talked about. So I think that how they measure and what they're measuring, their focus on the lower funnel may move up into more of the mid funnel. I think that having strategies right now in terms of both from the publisher side and the marketer side of, you know, they have some time to gather their first party data strategies together a lot better. I think a key component of this is that Google didn't say that they're not going to start blocking third party cookies. This was a stay of execution. So how long do marketers have to make whatever plans they're going to make? Did Google specify how long we can continue to use cookies? Well, they have. We have another 18 months or so. But I think that any really smart marketers are all over this right now, both in trying to solidify their first party data strategy and also trying all sorts of cookie lists targeting that is available now, because that's what we'll be able to build off a lot of the stuff that's happening in terms of what we have now is third-party cookies, and then building off audiences from that while we still have the technology. I think that that's going to be incredibly useful. We're doing a lot of that at Nativo, and we're finding really good success, like very good performance metrics with the kind of lookalike modeling that we've been able to do off off cookies or contextual targeting. It seems like there's three paths to go, knowing that the end is near when it comes to third-party cookies. One is the land grab. Third-party cookies are going away, so I better buy as much third-party data as I possibly can and just start hoarding and reinvesting and increasing the investment on this data because it is valuable before it goes away right? That's one strategy. Two is I need to start testing out other technologies for gathering first party data, just moving away from relying on other people as the data collectors and start doing it myself. 
And third is start testing some of the other technologies that are out there that are essentially replacements for the third-party cookie, the privacy clusters of the world and you know other things that are essentially a replacement for third-party cookies but using a different technology. Do you have a thought on you know which of those strategies or the combination of those three strategies you'd advise marketers to pursue? I wouldn't want to leap into that discussion yet. It just in terms of what is going to be the best for different brands is probably going to be depending on their strategy and their distribution strategy as well. So talk to me about what you're doing at Nativo when it comes to prepping for the end of the road for third-party cookies. So working in content, one of the things that we've seen be the most successful with or without cookies is the contextual relevancy of where we're putting that content. So our metrics and all our performance metrics are much better when we use contextual targeting versus data. And we're in a very good position in terms of if cookies go away tomorrow, our metrics won't be messed up too much. But we're also playing in the space of figuring out how do we help our brand marketers who are reliant on cookies and trying to get to specific audiences, how do we help So we have spent a long time in the last 18 months as well, building out cookie list audience targeting and using lookalikes. And, you know, we're able to very successfully target across iOS and Firefox as well to expand their audiences. So we have a sort of a cookie list 2.0 in the works now that we're experimenting with. And we'll be trying the other options as well, because we will be using what our marketers and our clients are wanting us to use, basically. You mentioned the strategy of moving towards contextual targeting as opposed to data-driven targeting. Tell me a little bit more about that. That sounds like a smart thing to do. It makes a lot of sense, right? Because particularly when it comes to content, because the environment of which you're putting your content matters so much from how it's going to be perceived and whether you're reaching the right audiences. So we have a great partnership with Grapeshot and do a lot of work with them in terms of building a lot of insights into what is the right context for the right kind of content so that we're able to take that to our clients and advise them on what are the keywords, what are the right environments for your content. And we have a lot of success with that. Ironically, moving away from third-party cookies means that you have to be reliant more on understanding contextual targeting. And then I think about who's the best in the business at contextual targeting. And now I'm looking back at Google again and the AdWords platform, where if you understand the keywords that you're trying to target, you can find people that are looking for your products or services So now I'm starting to understand why Google is making this move as the leader in contextual targeting. It makes sense for them to move away from cookies. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Sarah Dale, Chief Revenue Officer at Nativo. Join us again tomorrow for part two of this interview, where Sarah and I will be discussing, should you still be relying on your cookie data? If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Sarah, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her company's Twitter account, which is Nativo, N-A-T-I-V-O, or you could visit her company's website, which is nativo.com.
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.